This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Evelyn Lopez. This is another edition of Crossing Division, Tacoma's talk show. So uh, before I get started, we're coming to you from the gorgeous Moonyard studio, where I'm going to get some figs afterwards because that fig tree is loaded. Um, But before we start, let's talk a little bit about our new format. Let me tell you guys, I was having a hard time figuring out uh, really good controversies to have for shows and two different people on each side to talk to. So I've been talking to Eric Hanberg, and I think we're going to try to focus on our Tacoma talk show side for a while. So I still want to cover controversial issues, um, but not exclusively. So we'll be having discussions about a lot of different things going on in Tacoma. And if you have ideas, please send them my way. You can always find me on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, Twitter is at True Tacoma, and you can either, you know, send me a tweet or you can uh, DM me also. And without further ado, today we are talking about dissecting the 2019 primary results from our Tacoma election. With me today, I have Joe Eisenman. Hello, Joe. Hello. How are you? What would you like to tell us about yourself? (laughs) Well, I'm I'm Joe Eisenman. I've lived in Tacoma mostly for the last 36 years, um, with a little a brief break a few years ago. Um, I live in District One, so we've got mm-hmm. an actual election this year for my own council council member, and I am a professional data scientist and amateur election data nerd. Great. Well, I'll tell you guys on uh, Twitter, and Joe, what's your Twitter? At uh, Eisenmania. Okay. So if you know how to spell my last name, which you probably don't, it's uh, at I-Z-E-N-M-A-N-I-A. I-Z-E-N-M-A-N-I-A. Yeah. Okay. If you follow Joe on Twitter, which I do, you will have been impressed that he's one of the first people who notes who's filed with the PDC and running for election. And he always has a good breakdown of election results. And also with us today is Joe Lopez. Joe, what would you like to tell us about yourself? Um, well, I am married to the host here, and we have lived in Tacoma for 20 years. Also, District 1 voters. Mm-hmm. And what do you do professionally, Mr. Lopez? Well, I don't do anything professionally. I'm a retired lawyer. Very good. So he has lots of time to dig into data, and one of Joe's favorite things to do is to poke around the PDC <laughs> and find out who's giving money to whom. So our first caveat, we have one day's results only. So for a couple of races, they may actually change the outcomes. At least the second place person may change a little bit after tonight's data dump, which is going to occur at, what time did you say, Uh, Joe? 5 p.m. Right when we finish. Okay, so we'll finish and we'll get this out to you. Uh, It'll be a couple of days after the election results have updated. So go to the Pierce County Auditor Elections website and check it out to get the current totals. But most of the races probably will not change from their initials, uh, initial results. Um, first, uh, let me just say, I asked on Twitter whether anyone had some questions about the primary election that they wanted us to cover. And I got quite a few, and we may get to all of them, but we won't get to every single one. Um, the first question is, how has the local media infrastructure influenced the races? Second, um, what is the quality of candidate assessment that we can see from this primary versus prior year's quality of candidates? 
three, what are the takeaways for people interested in politics? And by that, I mean, I think he means running for politics or running for positions. Four, what do we learn from these results? Five, what issues do we expect candidates to push now? Uh, six, what systems are in Tacoma to prepare future candidates? And then I also had one question that I think we'll come back to again and again, and that is this, and that is, what will it take to increase voter turnout? Because I think that is going to be some of the key advice we would give to some of the candidates, even though I'm not sure how you do it. But let's talk about results. So let's start with the port. Uh, who wants to give me the results from the first port race, position three? So uh, position three, we have Justin Camerata, Frank Boykin, and Deanna Keller. One thing I thought was interesting is that in neither port race did the incumbent run for re-election. So all of these are fresh candidates. Mm -hmm. um, Deanna has a pretty commanding lead at 33,000 votes or about very nearly 50%, while Frank Boykin is coming in at about 28% and Justin Camerata bringing up third at 22%. Uh, with about 15,000 votes. So what do you think, um, Joe Eisenman, about um, can Justin close that gap with um, more uh, vote dumps? It's not impossible, mm -hmm. but um, looking at previous year's turnouts for port races in primaries, we're looking at probably between ten and 20,000 more ballots to be counted in that race. Okay. And Justin is behind Frank Boykin by roughly roughly 4,000. So for one thing, you because there's no reason to expect that the new ballots are systematically different than mm -hmm. the old ballots. It's not like, you know, more progressive, more liberal people vote at the very, very last second. Right. Um, so about half of them are probably going to go to Deanna Keller just mm -hmm. as the first batch did and so trying to make up a 4000 vote gap when you've only got 5 to 10000 votes to work with doesn't seem too likely. So not too might happen but unlikely. Yeah. Unlikely. Okay, so at this point we think we're looking at a race in November of uh, Deanna Keller versus Frank Boykin. Um Joe Lopez, what can you tell me about money in this race? Um, the let me see if I can pull that up. Uh, the big money getter was Deanna Keller, who brought in about fifty-one thousand dollars in contributions. That's pretty significant, I would think, for a port race. Um, second, sure, especially at this early stage of the game. Mm -hmm. Second, we had Kristen Ong came in at about forty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. Uh, and then we really dropped back. Justin Camerata raised about twenty-one thousand five. Frank Boykin raised nineteen thousand three hundred dollars, but he also loaned his campaign an additional ten thousand dollars. Okay. Do you have the Dave Bryant um, numbers up too? We'll get into that race next. Uh, Dave Bryant raised uh, one thousand eight hundred and seven dollars. What? Less than two thousand? Yes. Okay. Well, we're gonna have to talk about that. <laughs> and what about uh, Shelley Schlumpf? Um, Shelly Schlumpf raised about $47,000. Oh, that's a lot. It is. So, and interesting, in this race, we also had some independent expenditures. And though, for those of you who don't know, independent expenditures are not controlled by a candidate or coordinated with a candidate. They are something that a political action committee will do. They will independently go out and spend on advertising either in support of a candidate or against a candidate. 
And, you know, to be honest, you don't usually see that kind of money in port races. Well, we did this year. We had two big packs who donated a lot of money. Uh, we had a group called, let's say, I think they were Washington Concerned Taxpayers, mm -hmm. who spent about $20,000 on online advertising favoring both jointly um, Keller and Schlumpf. These ads featured both of the candidates bracketed together. We had about another $14,000 that was spent by the Business Alliance PAC, which is aligned with the Tacoma Pierce County Chamber of Commerce. They spent about $14,000 on mailers, again, bracketing both Keller and Schlumpf in the same advertisements. Okay. Yeah, I definitely received a, a mailer that was Deanna Keller on one side and Shelley Schlumpf yeah. on the other side, yeah. combined with the fact that the two of them were the were the highest raising in their, I believe, in their respective yes. port mm -hmm. races. Mm -hmm. um, I know they're both they're both sort of represent the voice of business very much in right. these race, races. Schlumpf was a uh, former head of the Puyallup Sumner Chamber of Commerce, I, I believe, that, yeah. and Deanna Keller is a president of a local. Uh, materials manufacturing business that I believe is based down in the Tide Flats, Caltech. Uh, Kelt yeah, a Kelly I, business. they have had a business, um, a presence up on, um, you know, up by the IBEW hall, but I think that's for sale. Yeah, and I think that's corporate offices and ah, then okay. the manufacturing is is down in the port. That makes sense. It's interesting that while this advertising bracketed the two candidates together. Uh, the results were widely different for well, these two candidates. Well, let's get that. We haven't talked about um, those results yet. So tell me the results from the Ang Bryant Schlumpf race. Yeah. So in so in Ang Bryant Schlumpf, uh, we've got Dave Bryant, who is a, a formal former naval officer and really pushing his his experience on ports and large ships, uh, coming in with a narrow lead at twenty eight thousand and forty percent. Kristen Ang who also ran two years ago for a different port seat, uh, is just behind at about 39% and 27,000 votes. And then Shelley Schlumpf, who has been, who is the top money raiser and who has been campaigning, or at least been presented almost as a ticket with Deanna Keller, is in at a pretty clear third at 20% and 14,000. Yeah. And I would say she's not going to be able to make that up. She's out no. of the race. No, this is, this is definitely going to be a... It's looking like a close race between Dave Bryant and Kristen Ang. Yeah, interesting. And Joe Lopez, the what's the money picture on that? I know you were talking about it, but talk about Bryant now versus Ang. Uh, well, you know, as I said, uh, Dave Bryant raised about eighteen hundred dollars. I mean, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I mean, so that means no mailer, just a few signs. He had a few signs around the area. Um, I think I saw one in Lakewood. I don't think I've seen anything further afield from Tacoma than that. So what do we assume people are looking at in making their voting decisions? Well, you know, when you look at him on paper, he is, he's got an excellent resume. Yeah. Uh, works currently for Boeing. He was a naval aviator. He was the commanding officer of uh, an aircraft carrier. He was the executive officer on the Enterprise. Uh, He's kind of got the sort of background that people look for in port races. He just came at this in a completely independent manner as a candidate. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we didn't see him raising a lot of money. We didn't see him trying to get endorsements or money from either the political parties or the business groups of the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. I don't think anybody quite knows what to make of him, including the business people. I agree. And not to put too fine a point on it, but he he looks like a 
Tacoma Port Commissioner. He does. He's an yeah. <laughs> older white man. Yeah. He, he looks like the people that they're campaigning to replace, with the exception yeah. of Claire Petrich, who obviously is— An older white lady. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit. And this is where we get into sort of um, voter turnout issues, I think. And I think – so this is purely my speculation, although I think it's reasonable. I think the people – so we know that we don't have huge turnout for primaries. Mm -hmm. We know that you're going to get your diehard voters. I believe that those voters tend to be older, whiter, usually middle class or a little bit better. And – I think that that older voter, and I, you know, I'm 57, so when I say older, I mean like, you know, 65 and older. That older voter, for them, they're going to look at experience, number mm-hmm. one. And someone who looks like them mm-hmm. is going to be attractive. You know, I don't think I voted for anyone who was older than me this time. But I but I remember thinking, hey, you know what, I'm not, I'm not voting for anyone who's older than me. I'm voting for all younger people. Um, but I would say a lot of people I know don't do that. They are still comfortable you know, older men, white men in particular, are their sort of authority face. And I, I believe that I've read that there has never been a person of color port commissioner. In that's why I saw that too. I think that's right. Um, yeah. So Frank Boykin did pretty well then. What do we attribute that to? Because I didn't really see very much evidence of his campaign. But, you know, if it's not a social media-based campaign – I might miss it. He's he's got a lot of signs up on twenty yeah. first. Um, he's based out of University Place, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that affects his presence as much in Tacoma or not. He he likewise has a a pretty decent resume. I think he's been on the planning commission in University Place, and he's he works in shipping and logistics. Mm-hmm. So that definitely matches up as compared to Justin, who is fiery and passionate, but his experience is not so much in things that people would associate with the port yeah. as far as as far as the business goes. Yeah. So well, Frank did. Uh, he ran for UP City Council in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't win, but he has he has had ties uh, to the Pierce County Democrats, though I have not seen him at meetings recently. Yes. And he's been a significant um, person in the Black community the, too. Yes, as a member of the Black Collective. Yeah. So he has various networks that he's able to draw from. Interestingly, he did not seek endorsements from local Democratic groups, at least from the uh, from the Pierce County Democrats, or I think the twenty seventh district. It's an interesting. That's an interesting fact. Normally, those sorts of endorsements matter, but but in a countywide race, and keep in mind, Pierce County is uh, purpley red. I mean, it's really a trending red county. It is. Maybe being endorsed by the Democrats isn't such a bonus. Well. I think that's probably true, particularly since in recent years, the local Democratic groups have tended to skew more and more liberal. Mm -hmm. So I think he may have made a strategic decision to avoid these endorsements. At first, I kind of wondered, you know, is there a strategy here at all since I wasn't seeing anything on local media? But then when I noticed that he had loaned his campaign $10,000 – I thought, well, he, there's got to be something going on here, and indeed the results do show there is. Mm-hmm. So what does he do moving forward? There's a pretty significant gap between him and Deanna Keller. I'm not sure that either one of them can pull uh, Justin Camerata's voters over. Well, I think to the degree that people voted for Justin Camerata because he was somebody who came out strongly against fossil fuel businesses on the tide flats— if those people are looking for a strong statement against that sort of business development down there, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it from either one. No. Yeah. 
No, and and even if it went the other way, I don't think either Justin or Frank are similar enough to each other that yeah. either of them they would draw. would reliably pull the other's votes yeah. over. And mm-hmm. so I I don't I think that they're in a race to see who is going to lose to Deanna Keller. Mm-hmm. That would be the now it could change between now could. and November, but. It's but, hard to change that trajectory. I think Frank Boykin has a hard time closing that gap. Yeah. Because I think to the degree that he might start to move to the left, yeah. he may lose some support that he had already. It's a delicate one. It is a delicate one. And if you look at their their voter pamphlet statements, Boykins and Kellers, were not all that different from No, one they another. were similar. Yeah. They were similar. So uh, Matt Driscoll has stated in his uh, column today, you know, sort of giving a quick reprise of the primary, that LNG does not seem to be a winner issue in port races. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's it would be a winner issue probably in an entirely city-based port or at least a competitive issue, yeah. but it just doesn't – it doesn't grab the county voters. It doesn't grab the redder voters and the people who are more focused on can we just have – whatever living wage wage jobs are available. Right. Um, And it gives off enough of the impression that it's at least a step in the right direction, whether whether one agrees with that or not in this room. Whether one buys it, that is the line. Yeah. It's out there. Yeah. So um, kind of related to that, uh, with Justin leaving the race, if Justin's leaving the race, then that means nobody running for port is a resident of Tacoma. Everybody lives out. Now, Kristen has significant contacts in Tacoma. She works here. Her family's here, but she actually lives in Gig Harbor. Deanna Keller lives in Gig Harbor. Frank Boykin lives in University Place. Um, Dave Brandt lives in Lake Taps, Bonnie Lake. He's Lake Taps, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So that concerns me because I think that if you live in Tacoma and you love Tacoma, the idea of some of the development down at the port really, really alarms you and causes you a great deal of concern. If you live in Puyallup or even Gig Harbor, do you think, eh, I don't like Tacoma anyway. That's why I don't live there. <laughs> I would hope not. Um, certainly plenty of them have at least some business ties. You know, Deanna Keller's business is in Tacoma. So mm-hmm. while she may not live here, she certainly she cares about it. Function, she has a reason to. Here. Yeah. Frank Boykin has significant contacts in the Tacoma community. Um, Kristen certainly has significant contacts in Tacoma. Dave Bryant, I, I don't know much about Dave Bryant because he spent less than $2,000 on his campaign. Well, I think we'll be finding out about him in the next few months. I think we will. <laughs> All right, let's move on from the port race and cover one quick one before we take a break. Let's talk about school board. Results? So there, there are two school board races, but only one of them had a primary, mm-hmm. um, which is position two. Uh, this is the first race we've spoken about that has an incumbent, yes. which is Enrique Leon. Uh, and he came in with a pretty dang commanding lead at 64% of the vote and 11,000 people. Um, running up, Runner-up was only at about 4,700 votes. Uh, Christopher Kearns with 26%. And John Marsden, who I n- know absolutely nothing about and have seen no campaign anything from. And he may not even have filed yet with the PDC. Um, he, he was not. he was at about 10% and 1,700 votes. Yeah. Uh, Leon, he's a he's an incumbent, but he's a short-time incumbent. He was appointed after the 2017 election when Catherine Ushka mm-hmm. became a city councilor. Uh, 
So Leon is there, and then I believe this election is only to fill out the last two years of, of the Catherine's term. term. I think you're right, and so, then he'll have to run again yeah. if he chooses to. Um, but he's still got that name recognition of, mm. hey, this is the person in the office right now. And certainly, I believe I believe outraised uh, Christopher Kearns. I believe he yeah. filed a filed mini, so he was expecting to raise less, less than $5,000 five. and yeah. he's not reporting yeah. individual donations. What does the PDC data show on that race? Um, let me find that. School districts are harder to find, kind of buried. And I know the, the school district races will draw people who don't necessarily ex- have as much expectation because there's no cost. There's no filing fee because oh, it is because an unpaid, unpaid position. Okay, that's good to know. So um, here's the question that I had on this, and you know, good for Enrique Leon. I think he's a good candidate. But... Um, what is does this tell us anything that Lisa Keating needs to pay attention to for in her race for the fall because she is um, campaigning hard but she's going up against a longtime incumbent Den- Debbie Winskill has been on the school board for about thirty years. Yeah, it's it's tough to read because as far as I can tell, Debbie Winskill isn't is campaigning by inertia. She she is in the position. She filed to run for the position again and that is the last I've heard of her. She filed yeah. f- filed for under $5,000 in donations, so we're not seeing it. I as far as I can tell, she's simply hey, I've been here for 30 years right. and now I'm running again. So, Lisa is certainly out there campaigning whereas compared to Enrique Leon, he's out there, you know. Right. I, I will race. say as, as far as Winskill goes though, this kind of campaign strategy has worked for her mm-hmm. in the past. When, it did. It has. Uh, if she was challenged by Dexter Gordon the last time around, he raised a significant amount of money. He campaigned actively, and she did the same thing that she's she's doing here. Just sit there. You know, it's, well, I shouldn't it's say just of, sit there, but but not do a real active campaign. It, it's it's almost the electoral equivalent of Muhammad Ali's rope a dope. I mean, she just sits there <laughs> against the ropes doing nothing, and she's she has won. Mm-hmm. Now. I think that with the school strike and some of the issues that it brought to the fore, yeah. this might be a very different election than we saw the last time. Mm-hmm. Well, and in terms of the school strike, I mean, I'll tell you, I sent an email to the school board members explaining how concerned I was. And the only response I got was from Enrique Leon. Yeah, now, he was responding to everyone, and I really appreciated that. Debbie Winskill, I'll tell you, I couldn't even email her. She doesn't have an email listed on the, you know, K-12 through Tacoma schools website. Now, one thing I found interesting is I've got a friend who is a big supporter of Lisa Keating. Her mm-hmm. son is in, in Lisa Keating's workshops, um, but is sad that Winskill is who she's running against because she's a teacher, and she said Debbie Winskill was the only person, the only school board member she could reach on the phone during the strike. Oh, that's interesting. So she may not have an email, but she but was she apparently responsive. still open and responsive. Huh. Well, that's um, good to hear. That's good to hear. I, I, wonder, you know, I wonder how much the sort of lack of campaigning like you said, possibly helps. Lisa Keating has very, very progressive views mm-hmm. that a lot of people have latched onto, but there's certainly going to be a population of people who are not going to. Right. And it may be beneficial to Debbie Winskill to not make herself look bad by campaigning against it, but just sort True. of allowing that to pan out. Yeah. It's an interesting theory. Well, and again, um, you know, we've got the, that dynamic of who turns out. For mm-hmm. the election, because if you are an older mm-hmm. voter in North Tacoma, 
Debbie Winskill is you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, she you've been voting for her for years, and she is in your area, and she holds your values, and you feel comfortable with her. Lisa is younger. You know, she is a very strong advocate for LGBTQ kids mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and takes strong stances against bullying and all kinds of things. And, you know, for someone who's in their 70s, that may feel a little bit radical. So, you know, again, it, if you can get the turnout from the younger voters, if you can figure out how to get those under 30-year-old voters voting, I think a lot of the progressive candidates do very well. But we have not seen that, at least not in our local races. No, and, and most of her supporters would tend to be, you know, North End. Mm -hmm. And those – that area votes in much higher concentrations than does the rest of the city. Yeah. And these are citywide elections. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, the question is can you motivate people from elsewhere in the city who do not look like and do not have the same sort of economic interests that the North End voter does? Right. Can you get them to the polls? Yeah. And how do you do that? Yeah. All right, should we take a short break? This is Eric Hanberg, host of the Channel 253 sister podcast, We Art Tacoma. Channel 253 is sponsored by our friends at Tacoma Arts Live. Did you know that Tacoma Arts Live offers one of the largest arts education programs in the state? Every year, more than 55,000 students, teachers, and families participate with Tacoma Arts Live through in-depth social and emotional learning, civil rights education, world culture immersion, special educational matinees, and much more. Perhaps even as impressive as the total number of students served are the kind of youth served. In the in-school residency program, students were on average more diverse than the general population of our region. 79% were low income, 20% have special needs of some kind, and 8% have experienced or are homeless. Getting these kids access to arts education is vital. Whether it's the chance to bang on some drums and learn better self-discipline like one student did, or find a new sense of belonging and self-expression like two sisters who were living in a shelter with their mother did, these are students who desperately need the restorative and transformative power of the arts. Tacoma Arts Live provides our youth with the tools that will create an enlightened, creative, and discerning citizenry ready for the challenges of the 21st century. Learn more at TacomaArtsLive.org slash education. My thanks to Tacoma Arts Live for their support of Channel 253. All right, we're back on the record. Hey, before we get started, let me just tell you a word about Channel 253. It's awesome. We have many, many great uh, podcasts. I think this is one of them. Um, also, the Adult Civics Happy Hour is a fantastic um, local government um, event happening activity. Uh, you can get all the information and first crack at tickets to Adult Happy Hour if you're a member of Channel 253. And here's the deal. Membership costs four bucks a month. Is well worth it. Joe Lopez, how much did we spend at Starbucks today? Um, well, today's probably a light day. I think we spent about $10, $12. Yeah, exactly. So if you're like us, you can probably spot a two five, Channel 253 membership. It's worth it. If I had ridden the bike instead of taking the bus today, I would have saved $4. Huh, there you go. But I'd be a lot smellier right now in this very small room. <laughs> a lot smellier and sweatier. Well, we thank you for your sacrifice. All right. We've covered a couple of different races. Let's talk about city council. We only had one city council race going for the primary. 
And it's a city council race uh, that's a citywide seat that Connor McCarthy has been the incumbent for. Um, Joe Eisenman, what would you like to tell me about that race so far? Well, Connor McCarthy, I don't think, is going to shock anybody by getting over 50 percent of the vote in the primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's at 8,800 votes with 53 percent. Uh, Brett Johnson and Courtney Love, not that Courtney Love, the other Courtney Love, um, are pretty dang neck and neck for mm-hmm. second place. Uh, Brett Johnson has 3,900 votes and Courtney Love has 3,600. So this is one of the few places where I think we could see some back and forth mm-hmm. in the remaining ballots. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's going to be something like maybe a few thousand more ballots, maybe up to 10,000 if we're at a high turnout just compared to two years ago's at-large positions. Mm-hmm. And with only 300 votes between them, there's plenty of room just in margin of error for for, a flip. for Courtney Love to pick up those 300 yeah. votes. Now, if the, if the totals get really close to the edge, like if they're very small numbers, and I can't remember what the percentage is, um, you could see maybe some ballot chasing and that is when people go – so there are ballots that are that are filed, that are submitted, and um, let's say the signature on the envelope is a mess or it gets smudged and they can't really tell who it is. Well, they'll set that ballot aside for a checking process and campaigns will come in when they're very close to the end and they'll say, well, you know, which ballots do you have that are sitting there for verification? And they'll go out to people's – Houses even they'll call them, but they'll go to the people's houses saying, "Hey, is this your signature? And can you come down and confirm it, or sign this and confirm it, so that we can perfect your ballot and it can be counted?" And we see that in legislative races. In this case, the two um, second place contenders are really, uh, you know, they're brand new, inexperienced politicians. They don't have a campaign structure. They don't really have any um, significant amounts of campaign contributions. So I don't know if they'll really be up for ballot chasing. Yeah, usually it requires a campaign organization. Sometimes the political organizations locally will get involved in ballot chasing. It's hard to see who does it in these instances um, my impression is that it's just in in both of these cases, it's just the candidate, him or herself. Yeah, I agree. And no real structural support behind them. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Well, what do you guys think? Can has should Connor McCarthy be learning anything from this um, poll? Well, you know, nearly forty five percent of the people who voted have voted against him. Mm-hmm. It, and that seems a little bit unusual for an incumbent. It seems unusual for an incumbent, and it also seems unusual given the nature of the opposition. Yeah. I mean, neither of these people is, quite frankly, a strong candidate. Right. They're not experienced. They're new candidates. They are sort of grassroots supported. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Connor raised just up through the primary $63,000. Wow. With forty thousand dollars in expenditures, that's why he was spending that money. He was spending a lot of money. There were signs all over town. There are mailers that went out, and this He's is got in a, a polo shirt with a Connor McCarthy campaign sign stitched onto it. <laughs> wow! So that's high end gear. He's pretty serious. <laughs> you know, so he spent a lot of money yeah. running against challengers that you would tend to think do not present much of a threat. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a significant chunk of people out there who are voting against Connor McCarthy. So do you think he spent all that money because he was worried about the race, or do you think he's spending the money to sort of pre-run for something else down the road? I, I personally have always assumed that there's another race coming down the road. Yeah, me too. With with his family, I mean, yeah. it's it's a generational thing. Yeah. I mean, 
his father is a in his second entirely separate time as a port commissioner. Right. After that, having that, after having spent years on the Pierce County Superior mm-hmm. Court. And um, mom is the state auditor. Yeah. Mom is the state auditor. She's the former uh, county auditor. Executive. Executive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at his his first couple days with the PDC, you know his his first donations were all max donations yeah. from from his family and yeah. himself. Yeah, and he lives in the council district that's currently rep- county council district that's currently represented by Derek Young, uh-huh. who is term limited out. He's in his second term. Okay. So that seat comes open in two years, three years. Three, uh-huh. three years. Three yeah. years from now, two years from next year, so 22. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, there, there, there is a, a route into higher office here. Mm-hmm. And Derek Young, I believe Derek Young endorsed Connor McCarthy in this race just yeah. as someone who so, – because as a long-term policymaker, I can understand having somebody that you know and can work with at the city level on certain projects, like I can see – I can see liking to have that. Mm-hmm. And Connor McCarthy, I think, has been fine mm-hmm. and will continue to be fine. He'll mm-hmm. be a, he'll be an effective city council person. Yeah, I mean, he he tends to be um, aligned most of the time with what I would consider the chamber business interests. Mm-hmm. But that's he's really not alone in that. That's fairly logical, too, given, you know, his background as an attorney who worked in the planning department and things like that. And certainly that's a profile that we see often on the city council. Oh, yeah. You know, Connor doesn't stick out in that no. way. Yet at the same time, there are a lot of people around town who aren't very happy with him, um, particularly the anti-LNG plant right. community Yeah. Uh, for some reason has taken a very strong dislike to Connor. Well, I I saw him at a candidate forum put on by the North End Neighborhood Council mm-hmm. last month, and that was where I really sort of cemented my, I don't think I'm going to vote for this guy. Yeah. Um, and it's he's like I said, he seems fine. He's not awful. But as far as the LNG, you know, the question came up, and while I would say that his opponent. Uh, Courtney Love is the only person who took a strong stance against it. Yeah, most people did their did the sort of normal equivocating. Well, it's kind of too late. Right. It's mm. I it's don't not love perfect, it, but, but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to other things. I would say Connor McCarthy was the only person who was just flat out. It is good. Yeah. He was just straight. This is a great. This is a great bridge fuel, and it will help build our economy. And there was no. On on one level, I can appreciate you know him right. not sort of beating around the bush and just saying what he believes, but yeah. I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah. Um, he the other thing that really stood out from his his talking points there was, of course, this was North End Neighborhood Council, and we were at um, we were at the elementary school in the Proctor District. Oh, so yeah. there was a lot of talk about the developments, and mm-hmm. he was very much on the well, there should be at least one parking space added for every unit, which I strongly disagree with. There is more than enough parking. There's not enough parking for everybody to to park right next to where they're going. There's plenty of parking. But one street away. Yeah. Yeah. So market your developments to people who don't want parking, improve the transit infrastructure so you don't need the parking, and reducing parking also reduces cost because the amount that Very developers expensive. have to spend per space, especially with those underground lots, mm-hmm. is massive and will drive up the price. Yeah. And so that that just hit me as he's just straight up, no, there should be at least one parking space per. 
and I don't buy it. Mm -hmm. But it is a position that would make vote-heavy Proctor, Proctor quite very happy. happy. Yes. Absolutely. There was, yeah. nobody, there was nobody raising their hand in that meeting saying, I wish that there was less parking. It was business <laughs> yeah. owners saying, I want more parking. Yeah. And who knows what will happen now that the Safeway has sold, that, that property has sold, and will that end up being more developments and less parking? It could be. It could be. Yeah. I suspect that we're going to see this issue coming back before November mm -hmm. as the uh, council district one race, which was not in the primary, mm -hmm. but will be on the ballot in November with uh, John Hines and Nath Walver opposing each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that, so the other races we've got for November, we've got district one, Nath Walver and John Hines. Uh, district, I think it's four, is Keith Blocker and uh, David Combs? District three. Or is it three? Yeah, three. Okay, three. And then we have the race with uh, Christina Walker and John O'Laughlin. That's position eight. Eight, thank yeah, you. Which is another at-large. Another at-large. Anything that you think the candidates should take from watching the Connor McCarthy race? In In district three, certainly... We see we see another incumbent. Right. The other two races don't have incumbents, so I think Keith Blocker that that demonstrates more of the advantage that Keith Blocker is going to have there uh, against a challenger whose name is David Combs. Me. David Combs. Yeah. Um, that's the race. That's the only one of these races that I can't personally vote in. So right. it's the one that I have ended up knowing the least about. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about the Christina Walker John O'Laughlin race now? Uh, Joe, how much money have they raised? Christina Walker has currently raised or reported $47,000. John O'Laughlin is in at about 30000 Yeah. So those are reasonably funded campaigns, yes. and we'll see them spending more money as we yes. move toward November. What about the Blocker and Combs race? Uh, vastly different. Keith Blocker has raised about $23,500. David Combs is down at $6,160. Yeah. That seems his is much more of a grassroots. It's a grassroots campaign. campaign. It tends to try to pick up on people who are disaffected with Keith. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I don't know how much more appeal it has than that because it hasn't been a very active campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, but you do see a number of businesses on Hilltop with comb signs. He is himself a Hilltop business owner. Yeah. Um, so there is some disaffection out there, but I would really be hard-pressed to say that there's enough mm -hmm. to say that Keith Walker is in any sort of danger here electorally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, his campaign has largely been I – haven't, I haven't seen a ton of signs. Like I said, there's some right, businesses. Right, there's a couple, but, but not too many. But it's a lot of – I see him a lot on social media. Mm -hmm. I see him out at Adult Civics Happy Hours and right. similar events. And I see him posting about just being out in public at events, things yeah. where he doesn't necessarily have to be spending a ton of money. He's just getting out in the community. And the impression I get is that he sort of holds that as the strike against Keith Blocker is not being out in the community as much. Now, I think based on just listening to uh, – one of Nate's Nerd Farm mm -hmm. episodes, it's it's not that he's out in the community. It's just there's more than one community yeah. in that area, and and they're targeting different groups. I think that's I think that's an really an interesting observation. Is that you know just because you don't see someone at your events doesn't mean they're at no events. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but that is definitely a, a sense that in that race, I think that's going on. Um, what about um, position one? which we all live in, the first district. How does that race look financially? Well, that's the seat that's currently held by Anders Ibsen. He's mm -hmm. term limited out, so this is his last year on the council. Uh, running for that are John Hines, who opposed Anders the last time around. Mm -hmm. uh, Hines has raised about $28,000, he's reporting. He is running against Nath Lover, who has a long history of working with labor organizations mm -hmm. in Pierce County. Uh, Nath currently is reporting about $25,000 mm -hmm. in donations. And they're pretty much tracking each other on expenditures. They are, each of them has spent just under $11,000. That's probably mostly signs. Mm -hmm. I would think so. Yeah. And I'm, I'm seeing pretty similar distribution. I've got a Nath Lover sign in my yeah. yard, but there's a John Hines sign across or okay. down the street. Interesting. So four years ago when John Hines was running against Andrew Zibson, the chamber came in and spent a heck of a lot of money on that campaign. The Business Alliance PAC, yeah, as I recall, spent about $45,000 in independent expenditures on that campaign. Yeah. Um, and as I recall, the the results, though, were that he ran about six points behind Andrew Zibson. And that was combined with the fact that Virtually the entire city council chimed in yes. and endorsed him against Anders Ibsen. I think yeah. only, I think only Ryan Mello was yeah. uh, was standing was by the holdout on that. Yeah, he yeah. endorsed Anders. Yeah, I think the the strike against Anders was basically that he was too strong in his convictions mm -hmm. and not not as willing to bend as some of the other council members wanted. We don't like that, do we? Strong <laughs> convictions. Yeah, but he did not have. A hard time getting reelected. Anders, yeah. right? Between but, between incumbency and the fact that he's just legendary, I think for knocking on every an, door, every single door, many times. He I, came to. I mean, no one comes to our house. We live, we don't live in a strange place. But I don't think a lot of people vote on our block, so people don't usually come down our street. Oh, we saw Anders. Anders, we saw <laughs> Anders. I think like three times. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was. I had been in that district for about a year. And dealing with it being the first year that I had a child and all manner of other things. So I was kind of ignorant of most of the election. And I don't – if if we got doorbelled by Anders, we missed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he was, he was doorbelling long before that race was even on the horizon. Yeah. You know, I, I just remember one day being out in the front yard weeding and this guy came, you know, walking up and knocked on the door. And, you know, you were talking to him. And I said, well, who is that? that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, the interesting thing, though, I think of this is this time around, John Hines is not drawing the chamber money that he was drawing four years ago. No. In fact, the chamber came out with a split endorsement, endorsing both Hines and Nath Lover. Okay. Interesting. Uh, and Nath Lover has been picking up, not surprisingly, a lot of support among uh, local labor unions, mm -hmm. uh, very strongly come mm -hmm. out in uh, endorsing him. Including the... Teachers, Teachers Union, Union, which is interesting because John Hines works in the school district. Right, mm -hmm. and has, has been it. He was a teacher. Last time around, he was a teacher in the Federal Way School District. Uh, currently, he works for Tacoma Public Schools as, I think it's educational facilitator. I think so. I think it's kind of a coach for teachers. But right. The world of schools is a little foreign to me. Me too. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look at our questions then. So uh, – 
What do you think has local media infrastructure or lack thereof, do you think that's been an influencer on the race? I noticed that for the port race, the TNT, which is kind of our big paper, our big media um, player, they endorsed uh, Deanna Keller and Kristen Ang. Um, but I don't know if people look at the TNT for their information. I don't know. I know that I know that Candace Rood has called out that they've been scaling back pretty dramatically. Yeah. Um, local coverage and in particular election coverage, and so it's it's getting harder to rely on them for a ton of that. I do think it was interesting that they endorsed uh, endorsed Chris Nang this mm-hmm. time, while also endorsing Deanna Keller. Yeah. Uh, one thing that they I, they basically said in their endorsement article was, "We don't want five firebrands on yeah. the port commission, but maybe one would be nice. We'd and, like a little bit of change, yeah. just not too much." Yeah, I think that that probably hurt Justin Camerata. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you were going to split your vote voting for an anti-LNG type candidate, I think she probably got those votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Between the name recognition from her run two years mm-hmm. ago, the fact that she's probably a little more, she's a little closer to the industry, I think. I think so. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just Justin was very was a little more fiery for mm-hmm. sure. Having just having seen them at a again a candidates forum, Justin's the one who's up there throwing out words like you know an embarrassment and an mm-hmm. abomination, talking about the Geo Group uh, detention center facility. And Kristen Dang is a little more even keeled, and yeah. certainly I think they believe most of the same things, but she mm-hmm. is presenting a little more like. A little more like the candidate that's mm-hmm. going to get more votes away from the expected people. Yeah. And in a county race, I think I am i don't know that the passion is a sell for the county mm-hmm. race. I, I think that helped her. I also think she uh, she did a fair amount of outreach out and about in the county, in mm-hmm. you know South Pierce County, East Pierce County, and over on the peninsula. And I'm not sure that Justin did as much of that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, what about this? This question is interesting. Um, do we see uh, any? Can we draw any conclusions about the quality of the candidates this year, especially um, as compared to in prior years? I don't know about quality. It definitely seemed like there were more candidates in 2017, mm-hmm. and that may have been a reaction—a reaction to, to the political Trump. climate. Yeah, uh, we certainly didn't see any more voters. That was actually <laughs> the low. 2017 was at least in the primaries, the low bar for turnout. Mm-hmm. And it was looking like we were on pace for that again this year, but today's ballot dump brought us back up to more 2015 levels, a grand 20%. Yeah. But, there, yeah, there were certainly a lot of candidates, especially for the open at-large seat mm-hmm. that year. There were something like six candidates lot, on yeah. that. It ended up being between Lillian Hunter and Meredith Neal. But, yeah, there was a large number of candidates in that race. Yeah. So maybe a lot of candidates leads to higher quality candidates. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I don't know. One thing that's very interesting this year, mm-hmm. um, we're talking about port commission races. Mm-hmm. We've never talked about port commission races right. in the past. These were usually low spending races with one obvious candidate and maybe an insurgent candidate who was clearly not going anywhere. Right. But with first the methanol plant and the LNG plant, with the detention center down there, the port has become politicized. And I suspect that in the future, 
Port races are going to be hotly contested, and we're going to see, you know, good candidates running. Well, that's where I definitely think the quality of candidates is is very impressive. Now, last time Florida was too, but in the past, yeah, a lot of there wasn't a lot of competition no. for port seats or a lot of interest in the port. No, it and didn't get it, it. Never got much coverage. Yeah, and certainly the business pack put a heck of a lot of money into this race even before the primary. Well, they can see where it's going. Yeah. Well, what issues do you think the candidates will push now? Like, and let's start with the port race. If LNG isn't really developing the votes, and I would say for a countywide race, it's not, then what? What do you think we'll see them focus on, or what should they be focusing on? Well, LNG isn't much of an issue, but you know, you can't ignore the environmental vote because Absolutely. It, if you do that, you're going to write off a large chunk of Tacoma voters. Mm hmm. So I think that's always going to be an issue. How do you harmonize business development, which certainly has to be on the Port Commission's mind, with talk of climate change, with fossil fuel? Well, and considering what an enormous economic driver the Puyallup tribe is. Yes. I mean, they are already, and with that new casino, it's going to be even more so. And so for the port to not engage in a positive relationship with them, oh, yeah. both over the environmental and the LNG issues, but, but over everything, and is a huge oversight. And they've been large donors this electoral cycle, um, donating to both Kristen Ong and Justin Camerata. You know, clearly they're making their presence felt, and they are going to be a force to reckon with in, in the future down at the port. Yeah. I think the question is just going to be how many votes are there in that? Yes. Yes. Very. Um, certainly, Kristen Ong is going to have to keep pushing on the LNG enough to, yeah. you know, retain that base because certainly the environmental base is a large part of mm -hmm. her constituency. Well, and I think and that while, she cares about that yeah. too. Yeah. And it, it would also seem that she's unlikely to pick up much of the schlump vote. Right. Mm. Right. Know, I, I would assume. Based on that much, but I, I would assume that if if those voters are going anywhere, they may be going to uh, to, to Dave, Dave Bryant. So then, what does Kristen do to um, strategize around that? And it's kind of like you know when we hear Democrats talking about who who can draw the Trump voters, mm -hmm. and a lot of people will say, and I would say, no one. A Trump voter is a Trump voter. Mm -hmm. You know, your question is, can you get the turnout? So like for the Democrats nationwide, it's like if you can get the turnout that Obama got. It doesn't matter who votes for Trump. You can win. But, you know, is Kristen in a similar place? If she can get the turnout, if we can get younger voters to turn out, is that, I mean, I assume that's better I, for her. I think that that is the one obvious spot that you can see her looking for votes is among younger environmentally minded voters who probably haven't been voting this year or previously. Can you reach them and can you turn them out? Mm -hmm. And what about the discussion of there's never been a person of color on the port? I mean, it's far past time. It is far past time. Uh, you know, we've got Kristen Ong, who's of Asian descent, and we've got Frank Boykin, who's black. Yeah. Be interesting to see. Um, I mean, it's rare that we even have candidates of color, and we do have them this year. Yeah. So on turnout, Joe Eisenman, um, what's our turnout's looking a little better than 2017 now, but still not great. Didn't you say 20%? Yeah, so... For a primary, it's 20%, and that's 
that's as good as we're going to get, pretty much. You know? do, do you have? Do you track data back to before mm. they split municipal elections off into odd year elections? And I can't remember when that was. I know it happened like not forever ago. I, I track back to 2011, okay. which is when we switched to all mail-in, and the data okay. before that is only on that I can find is only on the mail-in and not oh. on the people who who walked up, and so it becomes so it's less, not really good data. Yeah, um, so and I think that local elections were still in the odd years. I certainly have data in mm-hmm. those years. 2011 is a is kind of an outlier. It was really high, possibly because people were excited to mail things in. Huh. I don't know, um, but then after that, everything's you know we were that we were up at almost 28 percent for for the primary that year. It's possible there was just something very exciting to vote for. I don't. I know. can't remember <laughs> in 2011 um, what it would have been. But we're writing much more in the 20 percent usually okay. for for the primary. We'll see a lot more. You know, in the in the general in 2017, we climbed up up to 140,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is a lot more. Where if you expect to see. 80 to 90,000 people voting, at least in the port race, which is the countywide race. And we're going to see another 50,000 or so votes, presumably, in the general. Mm -hmm. Um, So new votes, people who didn't vote in the primary. How do you think, if you were uh, running a a campaign, how would you try to get to those people? Can you think of anything? Uh, I just wouldn't run a campaign. Um, (laughs) uh, Because there's certainly room for it uh, in in the 2017 mayoral mayoral election with Mm -hmm. which you are undoubtedly familiar. Yes. um, Jim Merritt came in first in the primary. primary. Mm -hmm. And and Victoria... I mean, reasonably close second, but but definitely second. Yeah. And and I thought, in, in many ways, I thought, boy, weren't you lucky that I was in the primary because you could see that there were another, you know, 6,000 or so votes available that were going to go to whomever was, you know, going to be probably the more progressive candidate. Yeah. So yeah. in some ways, I think a primary can be helpful that way. And I'll be I'll be very curious to see – they haven't released precinct-level breakdowns of the votes. Mm-hmm. I'll be very curious to see where those are because looking at that mayoral race, you could see very much that between those two elections, what she did was carved she up, really did carved up the middle of the North End. Yeah. Not not the people with the water yeah. views but straight up Pearl yeah. Street. All of those precincts flipped from Merritt leading to Woodard leading. Yeah. And so there's definitely people out there that you can – you don't just have to get the other primary voters' mm-hmm. votes. You can get the votes away or you can add new voters. I do I do think that whoever's running against Deanna Keller is going to have a very steep yeah. Yeah, very steep climb. Same with Connor McCarthy. That's yeah. that one's pretty much in the bag. But these close ones Kristen Ng is, is close enough mm-hmm. that if she can get That's more true. of the progressive voters coming out, mm-hmm. there's room to overtake. Yeah, even if the schlump voters tend to go for Brian. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But one of the challenges, and I think one of the questions was about media coverage. Media coverage down here is shrinking. It's going it away. Is. You know, the, the paper is nothing close to what it once was. It hasn't been replaced by anything. No, social media is can be very effective, but you're really speaking to a small population. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm you know I feel much more informed than ever before. But mm-hmm. this 
Channel 253 is a bubble. It's yeah. we're you, it's a small group of people and we're I'm, very you see the engaged. same mm-hmm. same couple hundred people at all yeah. the events. You really have to go out proactively and find your own sources of information. <laughs> You know, the days when you had one or two, they're really gone. Yeah. Political parties have shrunk. They're nowhere near as large or as influential as they once were. I mean, we even saw again in the in the, in the port race, Frank Boykin didn't even seek the, uh, the yeah. endorsement of the Pierce County Democrats, and he was a big participant there yeah. several years ago. It's interesting. But, you know, as these organizations start to shrink, what replaces them in the electoral system? It's not clear. No. Interesting. Well, we'll probably be talking more about elections as we go on, but I think that's it for today. I just want to hit a couple of other things before we close out. One, in other politics, big congratulations to our friend Lori Jenkins, who is now the uh, Speaker of the House elect. That's going to be amazing for us, amazing for Tacoma. And Candace Rood, I noticed, has an interview with Lori on Citizen Tacoma, I think tomorrow. So look for that. Uh, Next Citizen Tacoma should be really interesting. Um, Also, what's up, Tacoma? Here's some events you want to know about. Uh, August 9th, that's Friday at 10 a.m., the Fishing Wars Memorial Bridge will be dedicated. So if you're available Friday, go check that out. On Saturday, August 10th, Music and Heart in Wright Park. On the 11th, uh, there are a group of white supremacists coming to Tacoma hoping to have a rally. So as you can imagine, a counter-demonstration is planned. I would call it a hell no in Tacoma demonstration. So if you are interested in joining that, and let me tell you, we should all be kind of concerned about white supremacy and doing what we can against it. Send me a DM in Twitter or contact me on Twitter and I'll get you the information. Then August 17th, Neon Art Party. That's a fundraiser for Spaceworks and uh, the McKinley Street Fair. So lots of fun coming up, Tacoma. So many ways to get out and get involved in your community. And we hope to see you there. And before we close, uh, Joe, give us your Twitter handle one more time. It's at Eisenmania, I-Z-E-N-M-A-N-I-A. Right. And you'll certainly be seeing um, some more turnout charts as we as we get those. And once the precinct level results are out, we'll start looking at who who in particular is winning what precincts, which will be interesting in the port particularly, Super. who's winning in Tacoma versus in the county. Super interesting. Um, and so we'll be we'll be looking at some of that. Um, I'm taking advantage of my employer's Tableau license to put together some fancy dashboards. Oh, so excellent. keep an eye out for those in the next couple of weeks. Excellent. Thank you. And Joe Lopez, what's your Twitter handle? Um, well, I don't tweet, but I believe it is at J-O-L-O-P-E-Z 98406. Excellent. Well, so if you have a question that's related to some of the campaign finance stuff that Joe oh, Lopez do, do was talking about. Do shoot me a question. Do shoot him a question. And mine again is at True Tacoma. And I think that is all for today. Doug, are we clear to go? All good. Excellent. Thank you. And if you have ideas for future shows, send me a message. Bye. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.